We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am your football analyst at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at aforementioned irishbreakdown.com. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting today. Um, so when you go into recruiting, and, and for background on people that don't understand how recruiting works, when you go into a recruiting cycle, you have needs. You have numbers that you need to achieve. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, you know, we're going to go position by position. Um, and we're going to talk about what Notre Dame needs to do in this recruiting class. And we're not talking, well, they need to get a four-star here. They need to get a five-star. Right. We're talking that's about practical important. building a class. That's we're not talking about recruiting rankings necessarily. Correct. We're not talking about what they need to do to get a top five class. We're talking about what do they need to do to meet their needs from a numbers and a talent standpoint. That's right. And obviously this show is going to, we're going to focus on the offense on this show and we'll have a, a one on the defense uh, after, but it's about, we want to look at it from a coaching standpoint. Correct. You know, and that's how it is like, so this is not a, what they need to do to have a top five class. This is what they need to do with this class to take another step towards becoming a championship caliber right. football program. That's exactly right. And it's, it's, it's important to hit your numbers in the classes because if you don't hit your numbers in this class, then it affects the next class. Right. And then two years down that, the line, it's going to affect the depth chart, you well, know, exactly. that's actually playing. Which and, and, is that's a what, and that's what we've seen. You know, Notre yes. Dame in 2017, for example, uh, struck out at corner and their safeties in that class were Isaiah Robertson and Jordan Jen Markeith. Well, Isaiah Robertson moved to receiver, Jordan Jen Markeith moved to. The linebacker. linebacker in yeah. 2018, Notre Dame signed three corners, but one flunked out of school right away. And he was always kind of a, a shaky. That was Noah Boykin, always a shaky academic fit. And, and DJ Brown was more of a safety. He's not safety. 2019, you completely struck out at safety. I mean, completely struck out. Uh, and then, you know, you had to move Cam Hart to corner. And you had, you know, oh, excuse me, 2020, they struck out of safety. 2019, you got Litchfield, Ajavon, and Kyle Hamilton. Right. Um, Litchfield Ajavon hasn't really panned out at corner. You, you got KJ Wallace and then you, you were short, you know, Isaiah Rutherford's now transferred. Uh, Cam Hart's had to move there 2020. You look at it. Com- that's the year they completely struck out at safety and then they struck out at linebacker. And so now you're in situations where, you know, you're projecting the depth chart and you say, well, there's a couple positions where they're, they're going to be at come up short because when you recruit, you're not looking to recruit the guys that are graduating. 
because there's never going to be that crossover. You're looking to recruit right. your rising juniors. That's right. That's how you. That's how you recruit. And of course, there are positions where you need to, to you need to have a freshman come in and play. But usually, when you have when you need a freshman to come in and play, it's because you had a miss somewhere in the past. Right. You either you came up short on numbers, you thought a guy was going to be good, he wasn't good. Um, he transferred, he got hurt. You know, there's all types of things that can factor into that. It's not always about just a miss, but it didn't work out one way or the other. And so now you're in a situation where guys have to play. Notre Dame's not really in a situation where freshmen have to play. There are some positions, however, where you guys are going to have to play a lot earlier. A safety class, and we'll get into that defensively. Offensively, you know, you need certain positions where you look at the depth chart. By the time these guys are sophomores, they're going to have to play. Right. So you need to make sure that you're you're meeting your needs. So that's kind of how you build a roster is, you know, when we went on, the, when I was coaching, when we went on the recruiting trail, it was we're looking to replace our junior class. Yes. That's essentially what we're looking at. Now you have some overall team needs, but that's what you're looking at. Yep. And that's what the focus of what we're going to do today is going to be on, which is looking at Notre Dame's roster beyond 2022, right. not just 2022 when these guys are freshmen, but looking beyond 2022 what are the needs that they're going to have with it while also having to understand they have to stay within that 85-man limit, which is why we look at this class overall as being sort of a 19 to 22 numbers class based on players are going to lose, right. guys that we think are – you know, like I'm projecting Kyle Hamilton to not be on the roster. And I don't know why you would do that. He's not that good. Right. So it's <laughs> – I'm telling, I'm telling him you said that. Um <laughs> But, you know, those are the things you have to factor in. Like, hey, I don't think this guy's going to be a fifth-year senior. Or I really think we need to bring player X back in 20-whatever because it's a fifth year. So you have to factor that in uh, when, you, when, when you get into um, to sort of these, these conversations. And so oh, yeah. I've crunched the numbers. I've, I've broken down the scholarship depth chart. I've broken it down by class. And I've kind of looked at what are the needs in this class. And, and that's how we kind of came up with the number range for each position. All right, so let's get rolling. Let's talk some offense. And uh, when you're talking offensive recruiting class, you kind of have to start at the top uh, with the quarterback. Quarterback is usually one of the first signees in a class, and that mm -hmm. is actually not the case uh, this year at this point. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some other uh, sign, or I should say not signees, verbal commitments mm -hmm. uh, up to this point. There's some other guys that are verbally committed on the offensive side of the ball. So, But uh, quarterback needs, I, I would say normally it's one. Um, and then that is obviously the case this year. Sure. And, and part of the reason they don't have a quarterback already is because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, Notre Dame likes to get guys on campus and work them out. And then they kind of pick who they want from that, or sure. they'll go, you know, look at camp film or whatever. Obviously, since a lot of these kids haven't been on, on campus at, a, at any kind of camp or at, they, none of them have thrown at Notre Dame's camp, as far as I know, uh, that's kind of forced Notre Dame to, to be a little bit slower with its quarterback recruiting in this class. But there are some guys on the board that I like, uh, you know, and, and it's important to me in this class that not only do you get a quarterback from a number standpoint, but you need to get another talented player. And I think one of the con one of the things that Notre Dame has done in recent seasons is when they get a top quarterback, they kind of followed up with, well, we got so-and-so, you know, right. we got Brandon Wimbush. So the next year, you you know, you take an Ian Book or and then an Avery Davis. You can't have those kind of stretches. You need to start doing what the big boys do, which is yeah. getting good players back to back. They've done that. The, Tommy Reese has done that the last two years. Right. Drew Pines, to me, is a good football player. Um, Tyler Buckner, obviously, is a very good football player. I, you need another one. Now, for me, Steve Angeli is a guy on the list. He's yep. from or uh, Ordell, New Jersey, Bergen Catholic, big time East Coast college football or high school football program. Yep. I've heard his um, name a lot. Big in, pro, in connection to Notre Dame. Yeah. Big pro style kid, <laughs> six four plus, two hundred plus pounds, good arm, um pocket guy. You know, he's got some move the chain, you know, mobility, but not really a runner. Um, and he's he's a he's a guy that I, that the staff likes. Uh he's not he's definitely not top of my board. I think there's definitely other quarterbacks that, that are on the board for me. He's sort of a not on the level of quarterback. You want to be the guy you choose. He's the right. kind of guy you get because you missed on your top couple targets. And he's still a good football player, but he's just, to me, not that same caliber yet. Now, you know, again, the thing I like about him is he's big, 
He's got a, a good arm. It, it's an improving arm. It, it was better as a junior than it was as a sophomore, obviously. Uh, so he's a guy that I have my eye on is maybe taking that big jump as a senior. But for now, there's other guys on the board for me. Ty Simpson is a kid that Notre Dame has off, recently offered. Not much of a chance there. He's going to commit here in the next week or two, and it's not going to be to Notre Dame. Uh, I think he's a, t- a tad overrated, to be honest with you, Vince. He's a great high school quarterback whose skill set I don't see projecting as well to college. Like there are things he does in high school that I just look at him and I say, I don't see that working in college. You, you know what I, I mean? You. And yeah. I don't think the overall skill set for Ty Simpson is is really to the level that you want. And, you know, he's a kid from Tennessee. Uh, Clemson, I think right now is is the perceived leader for him amongst okay. the recruiting services. It's not my not info. That's just you know you look at all the crystal balls and the future casts and all those kind of things. That seems to be the pick. But you know, to me, he's just he's he's highly ranked. But to me, he's not a needle mover quarterback okay. for me. A guy that I really like at quarterback, however, is Gavin Wimsett from Kentucky. Now, here's the interesting thing about Gavin Wimsett. To me, he and the next guy I'm going to talk about are the perfect quarterbacks for this class, and there's two reasons why. Number one, Gavin Wimsett is incredibly talented in my view. He's 6'3". He's from Owensboro, Kentucky. He's 6'3". He's 200 pounds. He's an athlete. He can run, but he's not a running quarterback, if you get what I'm saying. like There are sure. quarterbacks who can be dynamic runners if that, when they choose to, but they're not runners. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when you watch Gavin New- when you watch Gavin Wimsett on film, he'll run, but a lot of times when he starts moving around in the pocket and taking off and running, he's looking to throw. I love that. I love quarterbacks whose instinct is to run and throw. Uh, and when he sees a hole and he's got to go, he'll go. I mean, he rushed for over 700 yards as a junior. So I think that fits what Notre Dame does really well. I think that fits the modern offense really well. You know, you can still have guys who are runners first, you yeah. know, but but those are rare. I mean, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson because he's a unique talent, not because it's a skill that necessarily you want to replicate. Um, he gets away with it because he's unique, just like just because Russell Wilson gets away and Kyler Murray get away with being 5'10", 5'11", doesn't mean you start actively recruiting 5'10", 5'11", quarterbacks. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I like those guys, especially with <laughs> what Notre Dame does, that is an athlete that that – will run but not a runner who you have to teach to pass does that make sense like kind yeah, of what it, it, yeah no 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 it definitely makes sense is he a kid that was running like spread option you know that yeah. kind of stuff in high school yeah i mean they're a shotgun team they're not you know they don't do a ton of from what i've seen they don't do a ton of design quarterback runs they'll do okay. some uh and, and but they're not like running them 20 times a game right you right, know right, right. i think he ran for like 750 or so yards last year and some of that a good chunk of that was on scramble so he can do that though but yeah. he's not going to do it like the way you did it with brandon wimbush like he's not brandon wimbush well the 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 notre dame version of brandon wimbush right brandon wimbush wasn't that version of brandon wimbush in high school either they kind of turned him into that but that's a different conversation so the other thing about gavin wims is I'm usually against redshirting quarterbacks, especially top quarterbacks. You know that. But he's an interesting case because he's super raw. Like, mechanically, you can tell he's not a kid that's just been at, like, you know, groomed to be a quarterback since he was five at, you know, quarterback camps and all this. I mean, he needs a lot of technical work. So he's the kind of guy you could bring in, redshirt him, and then put a year between him and Tyler Buckner. Sure. And and then if Tyler Buckner's as good as we think, and maybe he leaves early, then you bring this kid along. And I also think too is you you want to bring in a kid that said if the light goes on for this kid, could he challenge Tyler Buckner? And, and with Gavin Wimson, I, I think he can. Okay. Uh, and and so he'll need some time. But he's a guy that to me would be much higher on my priority list than than uh, Angeli, for example. And those are the three offers that Notre Dame has made at the time. I expect that to expand here over the next month. Okay. Um, is but that because they don't think they're going to get the other guys, or it's not that. It's just they're being really picky with the quarterback recruiting, but they're now kind of realizing that, hey, look, it doesn't look like camps are going to be opening up this summer. So now we have to explore other options. And that's why I asked Tommy Reese the question I did on signing day. And he, I thought he answered it masterfully, which is, look, court, coaches are obsessed with seeing quarterbacks throw in person. And to a degree, I understand it. But I still say, if I don't care what a kid does at a camp, 
I need to see what he does on film. And sure. I think sometimes coaches put more on you know workouts than they do game film. I think that can be a mistake. I think Notre Dame is trying to find a balance on that. And, and, and I think that's part of the reason that they are, are being patient, but you know, they're, so they're starting to ask quarterbacks, Hey, send us some workout film, you know, send us a, you know, practice film, send us, you know, your guy at the gyms, finish your, send us your guy doing a bunch of agility drills so we can see the footwork and, you know, run them through a practice, almost like a pro day. I mean, that's really what it's turning into is you're, you're having these kids record basically like pro day type workouts and you're sending it to them so you can evaluate it. So I think as they get more of that film that they can evaluate, you're going to see them start to offer more kids. It's not going to be a bunch, but you know, in 2020, 2021, they only offered one quarterback and that was Tyler Buckner. You know what I mean? So like you said, they, but that was because as I think a freshman sophomore, he came to Notre Dame's camp, had a great camp and that was their guy. Sure. Uh, there is one quarterback that I know that they're talking to and they're 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 doing their homework on that that for me I wouldn't have offered already because his film was just that good and that is Drew Aller from Ohio. He is six five, over two hundred pounds. He is sort of that. Okay, he understand. I'm talking about a style of play, not a direct skill comparison. But he's sort of that Pat Mahomes era, you know, modern Pat Mahomes player where he's a pocket passer. But he's a mobile, tough, strong kid that that moves around a lot, throws on the run, can bounce off sack attempts. He can then scramble when you need him to. Uh, I think he's got a big arm, and it's only going to get stronger. And Notre Dame and a lot of other schools are now reaching out to him. He kind of had a, a big breakout junior year. He didn't start as a sophomore till like halfway through or end of the end of this year. He he plays at a, a really good school in Ohio, and so there wasn't a lot of film on him. And then of course he couldn't go to camps last year. Right. So I think that's why a lot of schools are late on him. Michigan just recently offered him. Uh, and then he went out and had a big junior year. So he's a kid that I, I really like on film, like as much as Gavin wins it. And I hope that they offer him soon. I hope they can have a chance with him. And I hope they offer him before Ohio State does or, you know, right now Ohio State. Get in the door a little earlier yeah, than those they're, guys. They're fortunate because right now Ohio State has a quarterback in the 2022 class. Gotcha. It's that kid. It's he's the number one quarterback in the country from Texas. However, however, Steve Sarkeesian is trying to keep that kid in state. And if you're, you, you know, let's just say playing at Texas is a little bit more attractive now for a quarterback than it was when Tom Herman was there. That's fair, and that's going to allow them to to have a chance to flip the kid. Now, if they do, I would imagine this kid would be someone that Ohio State would go after. Okay, and so Notre Dame needs to get on him before before that happens. So there, this is a 2021 was an absolutely loaded quarterback year. And in my opinion, Notre Dame, the reason I gave Notre Dame an A grade is because they got. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One of the best and a guy that fit their system and fits their school and all that. So that's why they got an A. This class is not as, as from what I've seen so far, it's, there's not as many elite quarterbacks in this class. Sure. But it's a good depth year quarterback. And so they have to try to get one of the better ones. The problem is when, it's, when there's not a lot of elite guys, Notre Dame could miss on the top four quarterbacks in the country and still get Tyler Buckner. Right. You know, if you're missing on the top four or five quarterbacks in this class – then you're, you're gonna, kind of, yeah, you're struggling. You're gonna end up with Brendan Clark, who, yeah. good football player, right? But like not, Brendan Clark, we're gonna have a show on him coming up soon. But it's, it's not, right. it's not Tyler Buckner. Yeah, right. No, right? absolutely, I got you. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. 
and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Brian, let's let's move on and talk about the running back position because I think Notre Dame has done a great job uh, the past two recruiting cycles. You got Chris Tyree, uh, duh, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this past recruiting class, you got Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. Great one-two punch uh, in that class. So where and, – and, th- and by the way, let me just reiterate the fact that these two recruiting classes of running backs is so much better than what Notre Dame has seen yeah. previous to that okay yeah. so this is a huge step up so we know that they can recruit running backs now uh especially with lance taylor at the helm at the running back position what are they looking to do in the 22 class because numbers i don't think are the issue that they were you know going into the 21 class yeah. where they had to get two guys they had to right right now they are at the numbers need is one with an asterisk Okay. And the reason I say there's an asterisk by it is because if Kyron Williams has another big year, uh, rushes for a thousand plus yards, there's a chance he's gone. Sure. There, then there's a chance that you know, do you need to bring Sebo Flemister back to be your st- second, third, or fourth running back? So there's a chance that you could be down to three running backs going into the 2022 season. If that's the case, you're going to want to find another running back. There's two okay. angles they could go. One is a second high school player. The other is they could bring in a grad transfer who's looking you know, good, solid. Yeah, you're looking yeah depth, right. Good, solid running back that can help us if you need him to. But he's more yeah. focused on getting a master's degree than he necessarily is being the guy at running back. And right. That's um, so that is that is something that I think they're going to need to keep an eye on is you need to have some some Audric estimates on your radar for next fall. If you get into a situation where, you know, you're at the halfway point of the season, Kyron Williams has got like 900 yards and it's like, yeah, okay, we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that he goes pro. And and that's having enough awareness of your football team and yes. your players that's to correct. do that. And, and, and so I think that's the key. But right now the focus can be on finding one guy. Yeah, right. Uh, the board is – it's a good board so far. I like it. There's some guys on the, at the top of the board that, you know, we've done prospect profiles on. Nicholas Singleton from Pennsylvania is a guy, Vince, that as a sophomore, I thought he had good film. As a junior, I thought he had great film. Okay. Uh, and now he, the interesting thing about him is he runs in, he runs in a triple option offense. And, oh, and at times – yeah, huh. But it's it's an interesting one because it's not like the Navy triple option. It's like a, it's almost like it's an old school Nebraska triple option. Where like he's from, it's like that power eye triple option. You know what I mean? That's what we ran in high school, by the way. Right, and then and then you you'll you know there's times where he'll he'll play out of the shotgun and he'll so he he has experience, but it's it's a lot of what he does is on the perimeter. We don't get a chance to see him kind of run between the tackles much. When he does, it's impressive. Okay. But, you know, there would be sort of a, a schematic technical chain, change needed for him, but he's talented. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's a, a well-built kid, 5'11", 6 foot, 200 pounds, really saw his body. I mean, he was like 180 pounds as a sophomore, looked, looked thin as a sophomore, really filled out as a junior, physical kid. And, and his production was just, I mean, his production this year was outstanding in, in limited games against really good competition, you know, and in eight games, he ran for 1,300 yards and 22 touchdowns. I mean, they're, they're playing against the same teams that Phil Dracovic was playing against. Yeah, You know what I mean? They, he had over 100 yards against Pine Richland. That was one of the games that I broke down because it was his lowest yardage total of the year. He had a little over 100 yards. And then, you know, you break the game down and you're like, boy, there's some impressive runs in there because they were geared on just stopping him. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when you can really see a guy at his best is when, you know, he, he's maybe not having as much success. He's not ripping off 80 yard runs and he's like, you know, he's got a battle. He's got a grind. What do you learn from him in those games? And, and that's why that's what I learned from him is this is a talented running back. And and he's a traditional running back in that, you know, he is a guy that's going to do damage from the backfield. You know, he is going to. He's going to run inside zone, outside zone, counter power. He can catch the ball, but it's kind of catching the ball out of the backfield, not yeah, a guy like you're going to line up in the slot. Right, right. Yeah. 
So he's more of a traditional running back in that regards. Another guy that I like is a kid from Tennessee, Dallin Hayden. Uh, again, 5'11", 195, well-built running back, quick feet, uh, powerful, but not a guy that necessarily seeks out contact. He will hit, he will run you over, but he also has that, that one cut ability where he can kind of set you up with his angle, get you to over-pursue, and then bam, he cuts inside of you. Mm-hmm. But if it's just you and him in the hole and there's nowhere to go, he's going to put his shoulder down and, and run through you. Uh, another talented back, really nice feet, balance is exceptional. His second level anticipation, Vince, is excellent. And he's another guy. Both of those guys, like Ohio State's recruiting both of those guys. Of course. Um, they're very talented players. You got Jabron Payne from Ohio. Uh, they recently offered Jadarian Price from Texas. Uh, Jordan James is another kid they recently offered from Tennessee. Zach Evans is another really talented running back that they uh, recently offered from Texas. So uh, they're building the board and and going after it. And they just, like I said, they just need to get one. And so uh, if they could get a Singleton or a Hayden, I think that to me would just be you know home run. But yeah. but there's a lot of other schools that are trying to recruit those two kids too. So we're going we're going to learn a little something about Lance Dick Lance Taylor because. Fair. You know, he recovered in 2021 by getting Diggs and Estime, but that was after striking out in a big way early with the top players. Yes. You, you can't do that again. You're in a position now where you need to go get one of your top guys. You need to go get somebody that's better than what you got. That's what you need to, to do at running back. And there's guys on the board like that, and he's got he's to get them. Look, Clemson doesn't say – Alabama doesn't say, well, we got a really good running back this last year, so – we're good. We'll, we'll just get a solid depth player. No, you go out and get a guy that's you. That's the thing is you're always trying to recruit better than what you got. That's what the great teams do. And so, yeah, you had a really good running back class in 2021. So try and go get a better one this year. Right. That, that's exactly. what you should do. And yes. there are some guys on the board that are that. Now it's just it's closing time, and we're going to find out whether or not Lance Taylor can can close. Look, when they close on Chris Tyree, if you've seen some of the stuff I've written on that, and I'm not the only one that's reported this. At the closing time, he was getting beat by Oklahoma, and it wasn't until Chip Long stepped into the, the conversation and, and really got Notre Dame over the finish line. So it's kind of like what we talked about with what Marcus Freeman's Marcus done Freeman. recently. It's, it's you know, Lance had gotten Notre Dame in the dance, but it was Chip Long that they needed to kind of get him across the, you know, across that to the end line. But um, I see you dancing over there. I'm dancing, but uh, you know, are they going to be able to do that this year? That's yeah. the question. He, he's going to have to close a little better, and, and um, you know, so we're we're going to learn a lot about. Because look, let's be honest about something, Vince. Notre Dame has signed two great offensive classes in a row. Great, great offensive classes, with the exception of the running backs and Rocco Spindler. All the other top players were already in the class when Chip Long was still here. That's a good Deion point. Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles are already in the class. Now, Deion Colsey decommitted and they got him back. So the staff had to put in work, but he originally was even in the class as a commit during the Chip Long tenure. Um, you know, the 2019 or 20 class was the was the one that had the the high level talent, Chris Tyree, Jordan Johnson, Michael Mayer. Tyler Buckner was committed while Chip Long was here. Now, that doesn't mean Tommy Reese didn't have a huge role in that because he did. Sure. But the point is, we haven't seen this staff as currently constructed go out and land a lot of top players. We just haven't. And so this is a big year for Tommy Reese to say, hey, I can recruit too, right? Like, yeah, Chip did a great job, but I can recruit too. And and he's going to have to be that assist to help get them yeah. over the over the finish line. But also the assistants got to step it up too. Dell Alexander's got to step up. Lance Taylor's got to step up. So it's a big year for them in that regards. But you know, we're going to learn a lot about Tommy Reese's ability to be a dog on the recruiting trail. And I think this is one position at running back, interestingly, where we're going to learn whether he is that or not, because they're going against some good coaching staff. You know, they're like I said Ohio State and Tony Alford want some of their top backs. Any Notre Dame fan knows that Tony Alford's hard to beat on the recruiting trail. So if they can do it, that, that'd be great. That'd be great. Tell me a lot about them. Brian, I want to talk about the, the wide receiver position uh, in 2022. And look, Notre Dame has had two pretty darn good recruiting classes. Uh, and it, it's very similar to, you know, the, the running back situation. But the wide receiver position, I would argue, might even be better uh, from a mm-hmm. depth standpoint. They got three, uh, obviously – 
in the 2020 class. They got three in the 2021 class. What do they need to do to follow up those two pretty darn good recruiting classes, and how many of those kids do they need? I think they need three again, but I could live with two if it's the right two. Okay. Um, and the reason I say three again, because in tw- the 2019 class, you have no, you have one receiver left from that class. That's Kendall Abdurrahman, who you've moved back and forth from running back to receiver. 2018 class is most likely going to be gone soon. And then you didn't have any receivers in the 2017 class left on campus. I mean, so you, you know, you, you've, you've had some misses, which is why you needed numbers in the last two years. Sure. So I think you need at least, at least two in this class and they need to be high level two. This is a position that Notre Dame has got a lot of talented players on the board, but I'm very concerned about this position moving forward because they're starting to throw out a lot of offers to kids who just aren't on the same level as the top players and aren't on the same level as the guys they've signed in the last two years. Mike, can, usually when that starts to happen, we start to see a mass, a bunch of offers at one position is because they don't think they're in good position with some of their top guys. I hope that I'm wrong on that, and they're just trying to expand. Because the, the other option is they're just trying to expand the board and just make sure that they have offers out. Some of these kids don't have committable offers. They know that. Hey, look, you have an offer, but you know we need to get you on campus first. Because that's what coaches will do sometimes. They'll say, look, we're going to offer you because we like you. But – we got to, you know, but we, we're we not going to take a commitment from you till we get you on campus. We got to get you through admissions because you got to throw the offer out to even be in the game. Yeah, right, exactly. Yep. Yep. And so as long as there's good communication and these kids know, like you couldn't just call up tomorrow and commit, then, then I'm okay with it. And you're, and still go after your, your top players. But there's guys on the board that if they can close on them, uh, you know, that th- it could be big for Notre Dame. My concern, however, is that, Chip Long played a huge role in the receivers that they got the last two years. And then Tommy Reese played a big role in getting Deion Colsey back in the class. My concern is Dell Alexander has not carried his weight the last couple of years on the recruiting trail. Right. And, and I need to see, and even when you talk to, you know, for example, one of the kids in the 2022 class I love is a kid from the Chicago area, Caleb Brown. Every time I, you know, every time Brian Smith talks to him from, you know, who's one of our recruiting contributors who knows Caleb and talks to him, every time I, you know, I hear a report about Notre Dame's interest in him, it's always from Tommy Reese. I never hear about Dell Alexander. That's a problem. Right. You know, you can't ask Tommy Reese to do this solo. It's got to be, it's got to be the receivers coach got to be involved. That's concerning for me. So he's going to have to step up and, 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 do a better job. I mean, sim- simple as that. He's got to do a better job coaching, and he's got to do a better job recruiting. It's a big year for Dale Alexander in that regards. And so uh, we're going to find out. Because, like I said, Vince, it's a really deep year at receiver. And there are some guys at the top. You know, for example, C.J. Williams, who's from modern day out in California. Um, you got T- Ted Oroa uh, McMillan, who's from, I believe, Servite out in California. These are two... Okay. Five-star receivers that fit what Notre Dame style, bigger receivers, vertical players, both over 4.0 GPAs, both go to wow. Catholic schools. You got to wow. get one of them. I was going right? to say, that's, that's Notre Dame resume all right. over the place. You got to get one of them. You know? And if you don't, that's not a – that's and this is an example of what I've said in the past. They both can get into Notre Dame. They're both Notre Dame kids. So if you don't get them, it's not because, well, you know, kids don't want to go to class or kids don't right. care about academics. It's you got beat in recruiting. Exactly. So you got to get one of them. You know, uh, you've got to you've got to get a Caleb Brown type of player. And there's a player that's committed somewhere else whose name I'm not going to mention right now that, that they're trying to flip. And if you can flip him, that would be huge because he's a very talented player. So they've got a chance to have a really dynamic receiving core. And and there's some top-level players, because that right there is the key, Vince. As good as last year's class was with Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, right. Jaden Thomas, none of them are that truly elite player right now. I think Deion sure. Colsey could be, but he's right. he's not, you know, one of those high-ceiling guys, but neither of them are necessarily as good as Jordan Johnson was. Honestly, I actually, when I graded them all four out, the four best, so the two, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts from 2020, and then last year, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey. As far as their grade incoming, I had Watts and Johnson both ahead of Colsey and Styles. That's how good that 2020 class was. 2021 class is more of a ceiling class, you know, the high okay. ceiling, but they're going to need some time to work into it. What this class in 2022 needs is they need at least one 
bona fide dude. You know what I mean? Like we're talking Michael Floyd, Will Fuller, Chase Claypool dude that can come in and just be a dynamic take over a game dude. Now it could be a it could be a Devontae Smith body type or it could be a Chase Claypool body type. So I'm not talking necessarily about they need a specific size, but they just need a guy that when you look at him, if this guy has a chance to be special, this guy has a chance to be a Bolitnikov winner, right? right There's some right. guys on the board that can be that. They got to get one of them. Okay. That's it. One. That's it. One. I'm not saying you got to land three of them. Okay. Right. You got to get one. Uh, and you should, because of, because of how good your previous two classes were, you should be able to focus a little bit more time on those guys. And so that's going to be the key. So getting CJ Williams, getting McMillan, uh, getting those type of players. There's another guy I really like in the class, Tobias Met, um, uh, excuse me, Tobias Merriweather, another big-bodied 6'4 plus kid, really can run, uh, really talented kid from Washington, likes Notre Dame a lot. But there's some other schools looking at him. He's another guy, you know, get go get him, right? Get yeah. it done. So it's just this receiver class, Vince has a chance to be really good. They just got to close. And, oh, I got and, you. I think this is going to be a big year for Tommy Reese because there's an opportunity in front of him to say, hey, yes, I'm young and I'm in it and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'm getting it done, right? And I can recruit. I can relate. I can get after it. I can grind. Because if he's able to put in the work and and be a driver to success in this class, then then some of those questions about him that are understandably there because there's no track record. There's no track record with Tommy Reese. So we don't know what kind of recruiter he's going to be. Uh, he gets to answer, so, silence those questions, and 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 they're going to need him to, because there's a chance Vince for this offensive class to be special again, but he's going to have to do it because the head coach isn't going to do it, right? You can't ask Marcus Freeman, hey, can you help us recruit this wide receiver, right? You can't ask Mike Mickens or Mike Elson to do it. Y'all got to do it, and so it's a great opportunity for Tommy Reese to to prove himself, and it's a make or break year for Dell Alexander because if you strike out on all these top players this year, it's kind of like are you're now entering into Altry Denson territory where, you know, when Notre Dame did get good running backs during the Autry Denson era, it wasn't him that was the driving force behind it. It was somebody else. You can't have that. Brian, I want to talk about the 22 tight end recruiting because if you look at the depth chart the way it is right now, the tight mm-hmm. end recruit, the tight end depth chart is pretty sticking good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's more room to bring in more guys. Now, of course, uh, Notre Dame has a commitment in the tight end class in Jack Nickel already, which I'm mm-hmm. a little surprised at. I think they could have passed at this point on the position, and it wouldn't have been a strikeout mm-hmm. uh, because you've got George Takis who could even come back for another year, and you're not losing any of the tight ends with the exception of George Takis potentially. Right. not losing anybody going into next year. So I'm a little surprised that they got a commit. I, I guess maybe not completely surprised, Um but I believe it was a couple of years ago they took pass on tight end because they have done that twice. They did that in 2016 and they did that in 2019 because yeah. they already had early commit. But in those years that they passed, that's because they already had early commitments. Next class, correct. Right. So like in 2016 they passed because they already had Brock Wright and Cole Komet committed. Right. And then they took a pass in 2019 because they already had Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman committed really early. Right. That's not the case in 2023. Um. So it's a little different, but yeah, they have passed on it before and, and it's made sense to pass on it. In those so instances. if you're on the staff and you're putting together the board, do you, I mean, again, I know Jack Nickel is, is committed. He's coming to the class. So w- would you have put, you know, we need one tight end or would you have passed on the class completely? I'd have definitely said they need one tight end personally. Okay. And, and there's two reasons for that number. And I get your point. Like when you're just looking at the numbers, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but there's a couple things that I would consider. I never get. I never like doing that. Well, you could bring so and so back, because you can't guarantee he's going to want to come back. It, it, you know, he's not going to be the number one tight end this year. That's going to be Michael Mayer. So when you look at this kid, you say, well, you, you he could come back and be your number one. But there's going to be SEC and ACC schools saying you can come here and be our number number. Or he's not going to want to stay at Notre Dame and be number two when other schools are going to be talking to him about, hey, you could come here and be our number one. Right. Right. And if you don't think that happens before kids get in the portal, you're out of your mind because there's ways yeah. to do that. You talk to a high school coach, you talk to a teammate of his. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Right. And so um, uh, th- there's ways that you can get that done. And so if George Takis is a really good number two for Notre Dame this year, there's no guarantee that he's look Notre Dame's last number two tight end went pro Tommy right. Tremble. Right. Right. Uh, 
the other part of it too is you have to start thinking about the fact that Michael Mayer may only be a three-year player. That's fair. Your last two tight ends left after their third year, right? I mean, Tommy Tremble left after his junior, true junior season. Cole right. Komet left after his true junior season. So, uh, and and you've had that happen multiple times. I mean, going back to Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph left after his true junior year. So when guys step up and ball as freshmen and as good as a lot of those guys were as freshmen, Kyle Rudolph to me had the best freshman year of all the tight ends until Michael Mayer came along. Because Tyler Eifert didn't play as a freshman. Troy Nicholas didn't play as a freshman. Ben Koyak was just sort of a rotation backup guy as a freshman. Um, and, and so in Cole Komet barely played, played as I think he had caught two passes as a freshman, both in mop-up duty in 2017. Um, and then Brock Wright was just a blocker. So, I mean, Michael Mayer had a phenomenal freshman year. You, you can't start thinking, well, boy, we got three more years of this. No, no you need to start preparing yourself for two more years of this. And then be ready to move on. And then the other part is Mitchell Evans to me is a is a project that you can't you're you're not sold that he's going to be a legit Notre Dame level player. Maybe he is, but right now you need to prepare yourself. So with all those things in mind, to me, you definitely need to bring in one. What's interesting is Notre Dame has thrown out like three tight end offers this week. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Now here's the worst part: Eli Raridan, his dad played at Notre Dame, okay. and. I remember like following his recruitment as a fan and I'm was feeling really old when I realized it was his dad. Uh, but you know, he's a talented player, big bodied kid. They just offered Holden Stace who just recently decommitted from Penn state. Who's really good. So I don't, it's, it's, here's my concern, Vince. My first thought is they're doubling down on the offense. So when you're pri- primarily a two and three tight end offense, that's ball control. You don't need receivers and you can, you need a bunch. So, you know, you bring in two more tight ends and then you got six tight ends on the roster. Makes sense if you're running three tight ends all the time. So that's concerning to me that that they're, that, that it looks like maybe they're doubling down. So maybe they take one less receiver in a a second tight end, which to me would be a mistake. Uh, The only way you take a second tight end in this class is if after your first guy, you have a great player wants to come. Like he's got to be a Michael Mayer type. Are you know that? But that's why I thought it was a mistake to take Jack Nichols so early. Jack Nichols is a solid football player, but when you're Notre Dame and you've recruited tight end the way you have, you don't take a solid football player, especially early. So that was a bit of a head scratcher. And then now you're offering these top players, and it's like, okay, well, you do have an 85 man scholarship limit that you need to be thinking about. Right. And and so I just, to me, I one is the number two to me seems excessive. And it means you're going to have to cut from somewhere else. And the places where they could possibly cut are, are problematic. Because usually when you're building a, a recruiting class, you don't cut from a position that on the other side of the ball. You don't say, hey, hey, uh, Marcus Freeman, we're going to give you one less DB because we're going to take a second time. No, it's we're going to take one less receiver or yeah, one right. less back or one less offensive lineman. And I don't think those are positions where Notre Dame should be cutting for a tight end. I just don't see it. unless it's like yeah. again you, you go if you can go get another Michael Mayer then yeah you take a, you don't take a fifth offensive lineman you don't take a second running back or a third wide receiver you go get the next Michael Mayer but that guy doesn't exist in the 2022 class for anybody in my opinion the 22 line uh, recruiting class is going to be an interesting one uh, Brian it. You know, Notre Dame took five offensive linemen in the 21 class, uh, but I think they had to do that. Mm-hmm. So this year, I don't know that they need five, but I think any year, offensive lineman-wise, you at least need four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like if you don't get four, you're not doing what you need to do. And that fifth spot is reserved almost for, like, if a stud wants to come, right. like we were talking about with the tight ends earlier, if, if you, you save that fifth spot for that. Um, but I think you need four. It, do you see that any different with the 22 class? Uh, and they already have two guys committed. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think there's and, – and the reason I would be okay with the fifth guy is because look at recent recruiting, right? Like the 2018 class is down to two guys, right? right? Luke Jones transferred and Cole Mabry had to retire from football. It's down to two guys. Uh, the 2019 class has yet to really make an impact, and Quinn Carroll's already had a major injury. The yeah. 2020 class, which is which is really good. Um, oh, and then that 2019 class, your John Olmstead's already transferred out. 
Then your 2022, your 2020 class, your number one and number two guys were both really good. Tosh Baker is a five-star upside guy, and Michael Carmody's really good, but you only got two. So you really have, in three straight classes, you had three, you had four, but that's down to two. You had four that's down to three, and you had two. So from what's on the roster right now, Notre Dame doesn't have enough to have a two deep from the 2018 to 2020 classes. That's problematic. Yeah. The other problematic aspect of it is they took Pat Coogan and some guys that to me are the difference between the 2021 recruiting class, which everybody's talking about how great it was. And it was a very good class. Don't get me wrong. But like go back in the 2013 recruiting class. All five guys in that class were top 200 recruits on the 247 sports composite list. The number three guy in the 2000, uh, 2014 class that had Quentin Nelson, Alex Bars, and Sam Mustafer. Sam Mustafer was your number three. He was a top. He was the number two hundred twenty five player in the country. Jimmy Byrne was a four star recruit as your number four guy. And so you you look through the years. You look at twenty seventeen. Your number three guy was Aaron Banks or Josh Lug, depending on who you viewed as your. So the number in the two thousand nineteen class, which was highly ranked, your fourth guy was a top two hundred recruit. In the 2021 class, there's a bigger drop off after the top two guys. Yeah. Uh, and and now there's some upside there. You know, I think Joe Alt's a guy I've, I writ, wrote about this on signing day. Joe Alt could be the difference between this being a you know a really good class and a great class. But he's a he's a he's a low four high ceiling guy. You can't ever you can't ever anticipate those guys panning out until they actually pan out. Uh, Caleb Johnson's a good, tough player, but you know he's he's not your typical great Notre Dame number three O line recruit. And then Pat Coogan, with all honesty, is a, just a good player, but he's more of a backup kind of guy. And so you didn't land the the depth of talent in twenty fifteen or twenty twenty one. So that five is a little misleading to me. It's not a five that we're used to Notre Dame getting, where you've got three or four legit top two hundred players. I mean. Your number four guy in 2020 or 2019 was John Olmstead, who was a top 250 recruit. He's already transferred out because there was some depth ahead of him. Your number three guy was Andrew Christoffic, who was ranked like 175th or somewhere around there in that class. Well, Caleb Offer, Caleb Johnson, and Joe Alt aren't the top, aren't even top 300 players. Yeah. When you look at it. now, again, recruiting rankings aren't end all be all, but sure. on my evaluation as well, they're not that. Uh, on Notre Dame's evaluations, they weren't that because those are guys that got offered after they missed on all their top prospects, right? So, you know, that's the thing is they they had a like running back, they put all their eggs in a very small basket, and they didn't read the room well. And what I mean by that is they kept waiting on Landon Tangwall, who eventually committed with to and signed with Penn State. And I kept saying, you need to move on now from Landon Tangwall because he had made multiple visits to Michigan, multiple visits to Penn State. He committed to Penn State um, shortly after the pandemic. And a lot of people said, well, that was only because he was going to visit in April, but that got canceled. He had a year to visit Notre Dame. He had visited Notre Dame the previous March. In that time between then and his decision, when he was supposed to visit Notre Dame again, he made multiple trips to Michigan, multiple trips to Penn State. You're not reading the room right, yeah, right? He, he, you know what I mean? Like it was clear that you were never in the same level as those two programs. You should have moved on. Now that doesn't mean you should have stopped recruiting him, but have but a backup. Man. <laughs> yeah, and and so they missed out on a chance to get Wyatt Milam, who to me is a top hundred recruit. And I've read other people that like him a lot too. He ended up going to West Virginia. I, I talked to the, the the guy that covers West Virginia for SI before he committed, and he said if Notre Dame pushes for him, he's Notre Dame's. That's what that was the feeling in the state, but Notre Dame never pushed for him. So they put all their eggs in the baskets, and then Nolan Rucci is another one. That was always going to be either Wisconsin or Penn State. Notre Dame was never going to get that kid, but they stayed on him so long that by the time they moved on, it was kind of they even Caleb Johnson they initially missed out on because they tried to get on him late. And he was like, Well, you guys waited until you missed on all these other guys. And if Auburn doesn't have a dumpster fire of a season, they may not even have Caleb Johnson. You know, so um, they, they 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 were able to recover with a good class, but the strategy needs some refinement. Yeah. And you had that happen at running back. And and my concern, Vince, is that this staff has shown that when the results end up being good, they don't do as much 
internal self-evaluation of their process. That's a concern. Hopefully that's not the case now, but that's a concern that I have. And they're going to have to have an expanded O-line board, which so far they've done. It's a big O-line board so far. I'm very happy with the board, but I don't know how many of the guys on the board that they're actually going hard after. That's a bit more concerning. Sure. And so you've put yourself in a really good position with two guys. Joey Tonona, to me, was a good prospect when they got him. Vince, he was a you know, he's an he's an in-state kid he's from Zionsville, I believe, correct? Yeah. Um, I liked him when they got him as a sophomore. He was a tackle. I so, said, you know, I think the kids got a chance to play some tackle. Maybe he could move inside, and he was a top 200 player. Then they moved him to center as a junior. And I'm like, this kid is natural inside. He's an absolute natural inside player. He was phenomenal as a junior center. Loved his film as a junior. So to me, he's a top 100 to 125 caliber player as a center. Uh, you know, and if you can play center, you can play guard, right? But as an interior player, Ty Chan is a is a guy that didn't play as a junior. Very high ceiling, low floor. He's highly ranked. He's a top 200 kid, but you know, right now he's a bit of a project. So you've got a really good foundation to build on. Get a good start, right? right? Right. So now it's what are you going to build on it, right? right? So if you build on it with like Zach Rice, for example, from Virginia, five-star player, likes Notre Dame a lot, but he also likes Ohio State and North Carolina and Alabama a lot, right? Those are big time. I mean, Alabama and Ohio State do a pretty good job of recruiting and developing offensive linemen, so it's going to be a battle. Uh, that's a guy you got to get. Jake Taylor from uh, Bishop Gorman's not as highly ranked, but he's – to me, a high talent. He he would be a guy you'd get, Vince, and he's ranked in the top 200, but to me, he's a top 100 talent, right? So that just tells you, I don't really care about recruiting rankings unless the recruiting rankings back up what I believe to be true. Does that make sense? So like, if they get a top 100 guy, I'm not going to be like, oh, question, you know, problem solved, but, but he's not a real top 100 guy. He's just whatever ranked as a top 200 guy. And Notre Dame staff talked about the difference there. Jake Taylor's not a highly ranked guy, mainly because he didn't play as a junior because Nevada didn't have fall football. But, man, he is athletic. He's tough. I mean, that is, a to me, a big-time player, and they're battling Oklahoma for him. Yeah. Well, when Notre Dame and Oklahoma both won a guy, those are two of the best offensive lines in the country. And, and, the, and Bill Bank, Blankenship at Oklahoma is phenomenal coach and recruiter and identifier of talent. You get those two guys, home run. Like Jeff Quinn, great recruiter, buddy. You, you know, good job. Um, Billy Shrouth's another guy that they're on. You get those two guys, and then Billy Shrouth wants to come from Wisconsin. You take them, and you get your five. You know, so there's some guys on the board uh, that I, they just recently offered Tyler Booker, who's one of the highly ranked offensive linemen from Florida. He's from IMG. He's a New Jersey kid, so that makes you think oh, there's a chance. You know, Jersey kid, but they got on him kind of late. Uh, Joe Bruner from Wisconsin. It's a really good year in Wisconsin offensive lineman. He's another guy on the board. Carson Hensman's another really top player from Wisconsin. Um, but you know, again, going into Wisconsin and beating Wisconsin for offensive linemen is going to be hard. Doing it for more than one is going to be extremely tough. Um, Jacob Sexton's a kid from Oklahoma that's looking at Notre Dame and Oklahoma. I have a hard time seeing him leave the state. He says all the right things about Notre Dame, but I just I have a hard time seeing it. Um, you know, so there's some talented players on the board, but they got to close, and they got to close with. You cannot take an offensive lineman that's ranked that on you know from a not from a recruiting service standpoint, but more so from you and I and the staff talking talent, J- Ty Chan's got to be your floor. You can't take a Pat Coogan in this class. To me, I don't think you can take a Joe Alt in this class. You can't take a Caleb Johnson oh, in this man. class. Oh, mental guy. Right. It's got to be Ty Chan or better. Simple as that. And if they can do that, then then I think they're now in a great place. They've been able to re, to re you, know, you had a little bit of a, the end of Harry Heastan's tenure in the first couple years of, of of Jeff Quinn's era, there were some numbers issues and different things. But to me, this is the class that could solidify that, solve those problems, and get you on a healthier place where you can now be four every year, occasionally take three. Gotcha. Right? Yep. So I think that's where that's where they're at. But there's a chance. I mean, the, the start is strong. You've got two really good players in the class. Uh, and the final thing is, to me, the guys they get have to mostly be tackle bodies. They've taken a lot of guard bodies in the last couple of years. Carmody's a guard. Spindler's a guard. Coogan's a guard. I think Caleb Johnson ultimately is probably more of a guard. 
And then I could see Blake Fisher being – I mean, I could see all five of the guys they signed last year being guards, interior players. Right. They won't all end up there just because right. they can't. But you <laughs> you can make a case that all of them might have more upside at guard than they do at tackle. Sure. No, it makes a lot Michael of sense. Michael Carmody's a guard. So only one of your two in 2020 was a guard, a tackle. You, you need tackles in this yes. class. Ty Chan's a tackle, but Joey Tanona's already moved inside. I'd much rather have tackles that you can convert inside than the other way around. Well, that's how Harry Heastand was. I mean, even Sam Mustafer, who was clearly going to play inside in college, or was a tackle in high school. Yeah. You know, um, the thing about a lot of these guys Notre Dame has taken, they're guard. I mean, Rocco Spindler was a guard in high school. Pat Coogan was a guard in high school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Michael Carmody was a tackle. You know, he could maybe play right tackle, but – those are the kind of guard bodies they need. You know, Michael Carmody, six five six six, right? Uh, Joey Tonona could play tackle. I, you know, he's a tackle body. Even though I now project him inside, um, uh, Ty Chan could move inside, but he's a tackle body. You, you need guys that can play tackle. Yes, that's what and I'm then, saying. like, right? And I'm agreeing with you. I'm kind of elaborating a little bit. Like, you look at Notre Dame's starting offensive line at the beginning of the 2020 season. All five of their starting offensive linemen began their career at tackle at left tackle. When they first arrived on campus, Aaron Banks got reps as a freshman at left tackle. Robert Hainsey got reps at left tackle. I think no, Tommy Kramer's the only one that didn't because they immediately put him in right tackle. Gotcha. But and and I think three of the five started games at tackle because Robert Hainsey and, and uh, Tommy Kramer both played tackle in in 2017. So that that was Harry Heastan's approach, and I think a lot of schools go that route, but not all do. Bama will recruit some pure guards. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But most of your guys need to be, to me, tackle types and tackle bodies. And that's, it. but that's what Ty, Jake Taylor's that, Zach Rice is that. Um, a lot of those guys are that way. So, Brian, overall, the, the offensive outlook, the plan, I think is a good one. And I think that they've got a good foundation with a lot of the guys that they've already recruited, that they've already, I shouldn't say already recruited, that they already have verbal commitments from, mm-hmm. that they, it's a good foundation. They need to build on that foundation at this point to really make this a special class. Yeah. And I think that they're in on guys that can make that happen. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And of course, you know, we won't even have all the answers until December uh, of, uh, of this year, which seems light years away. Uh, but I think the foundation is good. And I think the plan appears to be good based on the boards that we're seeing with offers being handed out. Right. Because it's hard to really know because no one can visit. Right. right. So exactly. a lot of times you know if a guy's really interested because he'll be on campus and, early. And not having camps, which is what it appears things are going to be like this year, uh, this summer again, is a huge problem. I mean, it's going it, to hurt them in 2023, especially. You no know? question. It's, it's going to hurt them. I mean, yeah. they don't have the opportunity to have the Irish invasion and yeah. whatever that morphed into the actual camps where they're staying overnight, you know, the yeah. seven on seven tournaments, all these different things where guys could come in, you get to see them in person, you get to talk to them in person, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just not having that opportunity. Yeah, it, it, and I think it's going to hurt them from their strategy. But honestly, Vince, I think a lot of that stuff hurts recruiting. I do. Yeah. Because I think what has happened in the last 10 years in recruiting is the same thing that happens in the NFL. is We're, we're doing more analysis on non-football-related things. Camps you know, workouts, stuff that isn't the same as lining up. Like a quarterback could go – you you and I have seen this our entire football lives. You go to a camp and you see this kid and you're like, oh, my God, this kid spins it and he's phenomenal. He makes, and then you put on the film and you realize the kid is afraid to get hit. Right. And so he doesn't do the things on film that he does in games. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and I think that sometimes we have this tendency where we fall in love with measurables because we see a kid at a camp. And we're not focusing enough on film. And so uh, I think this it's like this is one of those years where you're going to have to focus more on the film. Now, you do your research on the grades and the character and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. you, you rely on the film, you know, yeah. put a kid's film on. If this kid can flat out ball and look, a 25 yard out throw is a 25 yard out throw no matter who you're playing against. Right. I mean, that's the reality. If you're a four, four, you're a four, four, no matter who you're playing against. Right. And so they're going to have to do some real evaluation of this class, look for the measurables and the traits. And, you know, again, if, well, you know, this guy's an inch shorter than we'd want him to be, but can he ball? Yeah, right. right. Can he ball? Yes, he can that's ball. What the film matters to me. I, I, that, that's, 
I guess measurables get you noticed. Film gets you recruited. Like yeah. that's that's me how it works. But in this but, era of camps, we're yeah. seeing camp stars become highly ranked recruits that teams want. And then guess what? Most of those guys never pan out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, so I mean, just from a, from a much lower level, like the kids that I coach, man, they were amazing in seven on right. seven. They they were awesome at the. We camp. called them half speed heroes when I was yeah, coaching. That's you know exactly right. Yeah. And when you come out on the on the field or even at practice, yeah. it's like, man, where was that kid that we just right. saw at the camp or at the seven on seven over the summer? Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yep, it's the uppers all Americans. You know, we that was another expression we used. Those guys that always looked great on Thursday when there was no hitting. You know, it's just right. thud. And, you know, just uppers, and that's the day where guys want to, you know, look like stars. But Tuesday, Wednesday, when it's full contact, those guys are nowhere to be found, you know. And that's the problem with focusing so much on camp. So, you know, yeah, it hurts from uh, getting them on campus. But as long as they open up at some point in time, at least allowing kids to visit, then you'll get a better idea. But, you know, the the plan looks good. The offer list looks good. We got to find out who their priorities are, and we don't necessarily know that yet. Um, at least thoroughly know that yet. And I think that the closing piece is going to be good. Like there's a chance for this to be a great skill class. I mean, even better than last year's, you know I mean? If you get Gavin Wimsett or Drew Allert quarterback, and if you get Dallin Hayden or Nicholas Singleton at, at running back, and if you get, you know, uh, McMillan at receiver and you, you get a, you get the flip candidate or you get Caleb Brown and, and, you know, and, you get Zach Rice on the offensive line and Jake Taylor. You know what? I could argue this class is going to be better than last year's class, which is saying something because I thought Notre Dame had one of the five best offensive classes in the country last year. And so, but but again, you got to close. It looks good so far, but you got to close. I mean, a year ago at this time, we were talking about Notre Dame having this all-world offensive line class that was going to have Landon Tangwall and Nolan Rucci. That's what they were pushing on social media, right? This dream class. And then and then it ended up being Joe Alton, Caleb Johnson. Good, good football players, but not my Wyatt Millam, not Nolan Rucci, not you know what I mean? So, like they gotta close. They gotta close. And this particular staff, as it's currently constructed, has not shown the ability to close on top recruits yet. They haven't. So they gotta prove that. And I'm looking forward to seeing if if they do. Cause like you said, Vince, the foundation's there. The players are already on the board. If they don't offer another kid. And they just get from what they have. There's a chance for this to be a really, really, really good class. But they got to get one of those California receivers. They've got to get one of the the speedy Midwestern receivers. They've got to get one of the top backs in the class, and they've got to get the right quarterback. And that, to me, is going to be a big key. And if you do that, then this class has a chance to be to be really, really good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our offensive uh, needs in the 22 recruiting class. Stay tuned because we will also have a, uh, a 22 recruiting needs defensive podcast. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, make sure you, re- you uh, subscribe to wherever you get your, uh, your podcast because we want to make sure that you're getting all the content. And, of course, head over to our YouTube page. If you're not already there, hit the subscribe button there. Uh, things have been really exciting over there over the last 24 to 48 hours. Brian and I are pretty excited with where everything is going with our YouTube page. So get in on the action over there. And then, of course, of course, check out irisbreakdown.com because uh, all the written content uh, is there, and it is all free. And so make sure that you check that out as well. So until next time, that's Brian. I'm Vince, and we'll talk to you on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.